Considering a transition to private pay? Thrizer can help you transform out-of-network therapy to look and feel like an in-network experience for your clients. Your clients just pay co-insurance for sessions instead of waiting weeks for reimbursement. Thrizer covers the rest of your fees so you get paid in full up front. Check out our special link, join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thrizer. Is your mental health practice buried in the bottom of Google search results? There's a way out. Simplified SEO Consulting offers a roadmap to search engine success. As mental health professionals, they know how to help therapists attract ideal clients and build a thriving practice. Go to simplifiedseoconsulting.com forward slash modern therapist to learn more and unlock your SEO potential this summer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. And if you do us a favor, wherever you listen to your podcast, if you'd go over and leave us a rating and a review, it definitely helps us out. And today we are joined by Laura Westmoreland. She is an LMFT in Century City, California. And we are bringing her on to help us increase where we are looking for the diverse issues that come up in everybody's practices. And Laura brings a very cool, unique specialty and a very awesome viewpoint on body diversity. So thank you very much for joining us, Laura. Thank you for having me. We are very excited to have you. And as we ask everyone, who are you and what are you putting out in the world? Well, as Kurt said, Laura Westmoreland, licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice in Century City. And what am I putting out in the world? Hmm. Hopefully inclusivity, um, specifically around weight and different body shapes and sizes and working with folks who may be struggling with weight-related concerns or have experienced weight stigma, also with clients who have eating disorders or body image issues, and the other therapeutic types of things like relationship issues and anxiety and depression. I think that's awesome. I think it's it's definitely something where the more I talk with Hayes or Health at Every Size informed clinicians and kind of see the diet culture and all the stuff that's around, I recognize how needed this is. But I think there's a lot of people who don't know much about it. So if you could maybe talk a little bit about body bias, health at every size, like what are the things that that therapists should know about what you're talking about? Because I think it's something that can oftentimes be missed. Um, I think that a lot of times that as therapists, we have training on different types of diversity, ethnicity, gender, religion, but it's often overlooked to talk about different shapes and sizes of people's bodies. And living in a larger body can present a challenge in that it's, you know, you're not physically supported sometimes in the world in terms of like airline seats, um, restaurant seating, even, even seating in um, therapist waiting rooms or even seating in the actual therapist office. So that's, that's a consideration. Um, one thing is about how we move through. And I say we because I do live in a larger body. 
So Mm -hmm. that's one of the ways that I identify as I live in a larger body. Just thinking about how you move through the world in a larger body and thinking about you step out your front door and you walk into a war zone with the war on obesity. And even the term obesity and overweight is medicalized and pathologizing you right off the bat. So it's a lot, it's a lot to take in as somebody who is in a larger body. And then thinking about body bias, that's that's what I call any feelings that we may have towards someone else's body, be it whether they're thin, they're in a larger body, whether they have piercings or tattoos. It's like, what are our biases? What stories do we tell ourselves about that person just based on how we, I'm going to say size them up, which is essentially (laughs) really what we're doing, sizing them up. Yeah. And I think that not only is this a socially, you know, valid concern and a, a great social cause that you're getting behind in the work that you do. But I think when it really comes back into the way that we look at training therapists is that even in adopting a biopsychosocial model that we do incorporate that medical aspect and have this ideal that what our clients should be engaging in as far as physical activity and what their weight may be contributing to depression or anxiety, looking at it as a causal factor as opposed to a symptom of what some of the emotions are that are behind it. And I, I'm you know, tangentially into working with eating disorder clients. It's not part of my specialty, but my understanding is that some of this approach that you're talking about is even controversial within the eating disorder community. Um, I think any time that something that's presented is different from what we already know, there's going to be a little bit of controversy surrounding it. So that I definitely think exists, especially when we've had um, what I'll refer to as the medical model, which is very pathologizing. And it's something, quite frankly, that as therapists that we are involved in because working with insurance and having to categorize and label things, diagnose things. So that's part of it. Where where I come in um, to looking at this is more about the client's lived experience instead of the pathologizing and the medicalizing. But there definitely, there's some controversy out there and um, in terms of health at every size. And there are studies that have been done that um, talk about BMI and obesity and overweight. And with any of the studies, it's important to take a critical eye to it and look at, you know, what's the uh, duration of the study for the outcomes? Is it over five years? It's also important to look at who sponsored the study and uh, the number of participants that were studied. So I think that's also important when we're looking at the science behind obesity research. I think for me, what I sometimes have a a hard time sorting through, and I I appreciate this conversation because I think it helps me quite a bit. When I think about the research, I think about the body bias, I think about how as a society, we approach people who live in larger bodies it's hard to sort through what Kurt had said previously around, you know, potentially it's a symptom. You know, if somebody has a larger body, that could be a symptom. And I know for sure that in like the ACE studies that were done at Kaiser, there was, you know, it was actually a weight loss study that found that these, uh, this woman was 
overweight due to the protective factor of trauma. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to have a body that could be sexually attractive to anyone. And so that, that, that speaks as a symptom, I guess. I don't know a better way to put that. But I also think that health at every size is talking about a healthy body at every size and that it may be completely unrelated to psychological factors, what size you are, and, and that you can be healthy at every size. And I know that there's also people who are unhealthy at every size. And so to me, I have, a tr- I have trouble sorting through how to approach this, this whole concept of what it truly means to be healthy at every size and how to help people be their healthiest self, because I don't want to step into kind of nutrition or diet. It's not, it's not my scope of practice. Diet meaning what you eat, not dieting. But I also don't want to shy away from something that may have real impacts on people in the world, because I think there is stigma and I think there is body shaming and I think all those things are real. And I want to make sure that I'm helping to address and assess and process the lived experience. And so I guess for me, and, and I'm specifically asking you, Laura, kind of your perspective on this, because I, I respect and value your opinion on this. How do, how do you approach that huge array of, of context with a person who's living in a larger body, honoring their experience? Like, how, like what are the things, because I think therapists get this wrong all the time. I'm absolutely sure of it. But how would you recommend therapists approach that to identify what is the most inclusive and, and positive way to, to talk about all the possibilities of what's happening with that client? That's a great, great question. I think for me, one of the things that I do is really try to understand and, and what the clients, like I said, their lived experience has been, but to also understand like when, when someone comes in and goes, oh, I feel fat. Okay. What does fat feel like? What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. And I know that I've actually done this before where I've worked with a client who was like, Oh, I feel fat. And in my, my brain automatically goes to, Oh, um, what about this diet? What about working out more? And of course I don't say that out loud, but it's just, I think that's so indicative of the culture that we live in is that my brain automatically goes to fix it. And that I think is where some therapists may get it wrong is that while we are open and accepting of a lot of other things that come into our rooms, that when somebody says, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm not happy with my body, I think that we jump to let's fix it. And so I think where what we need to do is, um, or I would invite therapists to do, is to really ask the client more about what would that what would that look like for them fixing it? What would losing weight do for them? You know, some clients may say, oh, it'll make me happier. Oh, it'll make me this. Oh, it'll make me that. But then if you think about, okay, so if this person's going to go on a diet, they are probably going to be restricting a lot of um, calories. They're going to follow maybe some trendy diets that are out there. And then they may find themselves restricting in other areas of their lives. And oftentimes, um, there's, I think it was Deb Burgard who said, we prescribe for our larger clients exactly what we treat in clients who have eating disorders. So there's a really big disconnect there. So I would encourage therapists when they're working with clients in larger bodies to you know, ask the client, what does that mean to them? Um, if the client says, oh, I want to be healthy, what, what does health mean to you? Because what we may think of as healthy, like maybe I go to the gym five times, or maybe I, 
I eat this type of food and I don't eat that type of food, that may not serve our clients. And, and that may also really be colluding with diet culture. And, and that could be harmful for our clients. If you've been considering switching to private pay and are unsure how to attract and retain clients, Thrizer can be your best resource. How? Thrizer actually helps you transform out-of-network therapy to look and feel like an in-network experience for clients with out-of-network benefits. First, Thrizer can help clients instantly verify their out-of-network benefits, providing them complete transparency on the cost of therapy ahead of their first session. Then, just by charging your clients via Thrizer's payment platform, you can automatically submit claims for them, offload all the insurance stress onto Thrizer, and even let your clients just pay their co-insurance for sessions, similar to in-network co-pays, to help them afford therapy upfront and skip the long reimbursement wait. Thrizer covers the rest of your fees, so you get paid in full upfront and waits for reimbursement on your client's behalf. They also have a super bill uploads feature, which is completely free for therapists. If you'd like to instead offer your clients a resource to manage their own super bills, they manage all claims end to end. So you or your clients don't need to deal with any of the insurance stress. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to start your free trial and receive waived fees for your first $2,500 in payments. I know from some of our conversations and Laura and I have known each other for several years at this point, but some of our conversations off offline have been really about some of your own personal experience in working with medical professionals and the way that you've been treated as really driving behind that this can impact treatment in, in the way that somebody first experiences a professional in responding to what their size is. And you know, I'm not asking you to share tons and tons of what your experience has <laughs> been, but I, I do know that in so much of, of what we espouse here at Modern Therapy Survival Guide is about really living your personal experience through the professional work that you do. And having known you and having, you know, really been around you as you've come into your own in this area has really been exciting. And having your story really does drive home just how important this is. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I, I will share a little bit. So like I said, I do live in a larger body and I want to, I want to take a pause to talk about that because some folks may identify as living in a fat body. Um, sometimes I'll say I live in a fat body. Sometimes I'll say I'm fat, but I don't like other people to say it to me mm -hmm. or if, I may say I live in a larger body. So I would also encourage therapists and medical professionals to listen to the language that the client is using about how they refer to their bodies. And then to not be afraid to ask, is it okay if I say that? I had a therapist who I say that I trained him on health at every size um, <laughs> because he um, he was like, what size do you want to be? And I was like, I, I don't know, zero. Like that's model size, right? But it it didn't make sense in terms of my body and where I was. So there was a lot of learning opportunities in working with a therapist who really didn't understand what it was like to be in a larger body and had you know talked about diet and exercise and and at that point I was I mean I'll say I'm in recovery from an eating disorder. 
I was a restrictor, which is really interesting because I do live in a large body is that some folks may judge me as, oh, she's got binge eating disorder. She can't control it. So I, that's another thing that I would caution therapists about is not to make diagnoses um, based on somebody's body size because you might miss something. Anyway, moving forward, I found a health at every size dietitian. I sort of accidentally fell into it and have now embraced health at every size in my life, which is about weight inclusivity and healthcare enhancement. So there's a social justice component of it, making access to care available for all bodies. I do intuitive eating, which is really paying attention to hunger and satiety cues, which was something that was new for me. I had to, can you imagine having to learn when you're hungry and when you're full? So, so that's something that I also did. And then my favorite, uh, joyful movement. I used to hate going to the gym and I would beat myself up. like, Oh, you need to go to the gym. You need to go to the gym. I hate going to the gym. And so I have found my joyful movement as a ballroom dancer. So I'm a competitive pro-am ballroom dancer. That's so awesome. And thank you. And it, it really does bring me joy and it's a lot of fun. So that's a little bit about my story and the things that I've found. And so I definitely want to share those with clients that I work with and help them untangle the knotted things that they've internalized, maybe around guilt or shame or weight stigma. The the piece that I'm hearing is that there's really some specific structure that you've put into your own life and that you share with your clients around how you can really get into a space of being very healthy. And it's not diet culture. It's not focused on a specific weight or number or quote unquote size but it's about finding the, the healthy practices for yourself. And so to me, what I was, the piece I was hearing and the piece I want to kind of dig deeper into is this idea that there's assumptions made that if someone is living in a larger body, they're binge eating or they have, they're out of control or, you know, those kinds of things versus you are actually very controlled and restricting. There's some pieces around how we set up our offices and stuff like that, that could potentially be not inclusive or welcoming. What, what are some of the other things that you want therapists to know as far as how to be inclusive for all body shape sizes for, to really help include um, all people in their practices? Well, I think one of the things is to have an understanding of what help at every size is and what it isn't. And there's a website that's by ASDA, A-S-D-A-H, and I'll give you the link for that, that has a lot of information about health at every size, and um, it's a really good resource. But in terms of, but in terms of um, therapists, I think one thing I can say is to remain curious about the other person, about the client, about what their experience is like, and to not be afraid to maybe ask them about what do they have any body image issues when we first see a client? That's one of the things that I, when I work with a client, I ask them any issues about their weight, about food, about their body image. And then I'll often ask a client um, as I'm getting to know them to tell me what the meals were like as they were growing up, because there's a lot of, a lot of good data that you can get from 
listening to someone's story about their dining experiences as, as a child and with their family. And um, you get a sense of, um, was there food scarcity? Were they not allowed to have certain things, but maybe their sibling was? So there's a lot of good information that you can get. So I would encourage therapists to not shy away from talking about food and weight and how the client feels in their body. Well, and I like the part about the the question, how do you feel about your body? Not the assumption that there's going to be body image issues, because I think there are folks who are comfortable in their body at, at that the size that they're at. And there's a lot of folks who are not. And I think even for folks who are living in smaller bodies, we, do, we shouldn't make the assumption that they feel good about their body either, like, or that they don't feel good about their body. I think that just really, like, that was the thing that really stuck out for me in what you were saying is this idea of we need to really be curious about that person's experience, the, the person that's sitting across the room from us, rather than putting our own bias on it. Yeah, that's a really good point. As even in terms of somebody who may live in a smaller body, Because if you think about it, we go out into the world and we're inundated by images and billboards and ads that say, get a beach body, lose weight, get a perfect body, get plastic surgery, take this pill, take that pill. And so it can impact everybody, not just large people in larger bodies. So I think it is important to, you know, ask those questions of, of people, anybody who has a body, let's ask them how they (laughs) feel about living in their body. Yeah. One of the things that we hit on a little bit earlier that I want to circle back to is kind of the therapist attitudes about body shapes. And one of the things that Laura had us look into is the implicit bias test. And I'm going to let her explain a little bit about this. Katie and I both took it and we'll talk about our results and Laura can make all sorts of judgments about what we came up with. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I promise not to judge out loud. All right, that's fair um, enough. Okay, so the bias test, um, it's something that was put together, um, I think it started, originated out of Harvard, and there are different tests that you can go on and take, fat versus thin, black versus white. There's a whole array of tests that, that you can take, and it basically, what it does is it looks at how quickly you respond, and that that tells you where your bias goes. Surprisingly for me, I, when it came to fat versus thin, I was neutral. So I was kind of like, oh, wow, that's, that's interesting. Show off. Um, I know. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm, I'm living health at every size. Um, Walk in the talk. There's also what's interesting is I definitely want to hear about your results, but I just connected with a researcher Um, from UCLA, who does some pretty cool work around weight stigma and non-diet approach. His name's Dr. Jeff Hunger. Yes, Hunger. It's like the perfect name. Oh, that's perfect. But he sent me a research paper that was about this uh, bias test, and they looked at all the data that was available because it just aggregates all the data. And you can, if you geek out sometimes like I do, you can go download it and run studies against the data. But somebody looked at it. Um, over a course of years, and they found that, like ethnicity and gender, the biases changed, but the one that didn't change was fat versus thin. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Wow. Why do you think that is? Why do I think that is? I think it's because we live in diet culture. 
where it's, you know, the thin ideal and, you know, have a thin body, be thin. I think that's why it hasn't changed because we are inundated with messaging around living in thin bodies. And one of the things that I did want to go back and mention is that even if we look at words like obesity and overweight, that's still part of diet culture. And it's like, how do we, it's like a a way to stratify people depending on you're this, you're that. And it's based on BMI, which don't get me started down that road. Nope. You can Google that one. Um, (laughs) There are, there are, yeah, there are a lot of good um, studies that have been done on the ASTA site, but I would love to, now I'm kind of acting like the interview. I would love to hear how you all did on the test. What were the outcomes for you? So my results came back as a slight automatic preference for thin people. And mine was a slight automatic preference for fat people. And how did, what did you feel about when you got the results? Did you, were you surprised or anything that came up for you? Feeling like your ideal clients just can't find you online? There's a better way with Simplified SEO Consulting. They're a team of mental health marketing specialists who understand the unique challenges therapists face in the digital world. Forget wasting time on confusing SEO tactics that leave you feeling frustrated and out of the loop. Simplified SEO Consulting offers a range of proven solutions to fit your practice needs, from DIY courses that empower you to take control, to done-with-you coaching that provides expert guidance at every step, to their individualized done-for-you SEO plans that let you focus on your clients while they handle the details. Plus, they have an innovative content network program that has set practices across the country apart from the rest. When you're ready to start showing up in front of your ideal clients online, the expert team at Simplified SEO Consulting is ready for you. Visit SimplifiedSEOConsulting.com forward slash modern therapist to schedule your free consultation and find the perfect SEO plan to unlock the full potential of your practice. Don't forget to mention Modern Therapist Survival Guide podcast for $100 off your done-for-you SEO onboarding, or use code Modern Therapist for 20% off a DIY SEO course this summer. For me, I don't think that I was surprised, and kind of looking retroactively across my life is where this likely has a lot of influence, is that having been very involved in sports, and especially some weight stigma sports like wrestling, where we were weighed several times a day, uh, that really did have an impact on what my attitudes were. I know that I've also had my own weight issues throughout various aspects of my life that are constantly looking for, you know, a thinner, better looking body. That's that that's very interesting. I feel like I like jumping in and it feels too quick. I want to dig in, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> Look, neither one of you are my therapist, but I'm owning my space around this. But all right, all right. Well, I think I mean I think it's interesting because I I found for myself I was actually very surprised at my result because I felt this the bias while I was taking the test. It was something where I was like I would I would you know kind of notice it. I was very conscious. There's a part of me that's like, is my result accurate? Because I was so noticing when I was having a thin bias. And, and kind of trying to be very, like I was trying to be right down the middle and really conscious of it. And I'm assuming that's part of taking the test is that everybody's like, I want to get the best result ever, <laughs> you know? 
And, and so I didn't relax into it. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to win this test. And for me, I felt like it, I don't, I mean, maybe, maybe it isn't accurate for me. I, I feel like it probably is. And, and in reflecting on it and the fact that it wasn't neutral, I think my, my perspective has shifted because I spend, you know, a significant amount of time talking to Hayes therapists and, and people who were, you know, very uh, body positive and that kind of stuff. And so I think for me, I noticed the stigma and I also grew up as a very skinny kid. And at this point, you know, if we were to look at BMI, I would not be in that category anymore. And so for me, I think I've, I've shifted in with my own work on accepting my own body as it is and really trying to sort through all of the pieces around that for myself, I think I may have shifted, which I hope like maybe there's hope for the the society, but, but I was surprised because I felt it coming up a lot. And then there was, then there there was a point which I was like, why am I feeling that, that larger bodies feel more healthy to me? And then I, I was starting to think on where I live and where I work. And there's a lot of orthorexia and a lot of like hyper, you know, kind of, to the point of being unhealthy, you know, kind of healthy eating, you know? And so for me, I think there's been a shift in my perspective because I'm where I, of where I'm living. And so it was very interesting to me and yes, neither of you are my therapist. So I'll bring this back to mine, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a really, and thank you for having us take that test. Cause it's very interesting to think about. And there was lots of cool tests. We'll put, definitely put that, uh, the link to the Harvard implicit bias tests in the show notes. Cause it's, I think it's important that we look at those things. Well, I definitely love that you both took the test and your reflections um, after taking it. And I would encourage other therapists to go through and take some of those and reflect on their results, because I think it might change the way that, that you work with certain clients in your office. If we're not owning our biases, how does that come across to clients? I think it can come across in that we're trying to fix them or that we may have an agenda that we're putting on to them. I mean, that's, that's how I feel about it. And I think that also ties into our work that we should be doing on our countertransference. With a specific body bias, if we're looking specifically at kind of today's topic, because I think we could talk about implicit bias all over the place. And I think that probably is a whole other episode, Kurt. <laughs> um, but if we're looking specifically at body bias, how does it show up in a therapist room? I think we've started to touch on this, but I want to really dig deep because I think therapists may not know. I, I think this really is something that's so ingrained in our culture that even having a quote unquote normal office could be, there could be some, some bias in how it's set up. And there could also be potentially microaggressions that are happening in the room. And so I want to dig, I I really want to dig deeper into that because I think for our survival guide aspect, I want therapists to get really clear and be able to assess their offices and their practices so that they can shift some of those things. So I think let's start in the waiting room. What magazines are there? Are there magazines that talk about the latest diet or somebody just lost a hundred pounds or they just lost the baby weight? Um, so that's, that's some messaging right there as a client walks into the office. Could this furniture in the waiting room support a larger body? Um, have you checked to see the weight that it will hold? 
Um, that's that's one thing. Um, another is the furniture in your office. Do you have images in your office, maybe paintings um, that are only of thin bodies? So that could be something that a client may take in. And um, in terms of, you know, when a client sits down, does the couch creak? Does the chair creak? Um, that's something that I, I can also talk about personally is, you know, thinking about when you sit in a chair as a larger person, is this chair going to support me? And these are all things that, that the client may bring into the room with them that you may not be able to get into the work with them because they're going through, okay, is this chair going to hold me? Um, is this person going to be judging my body? I feel fat. Um, I shouldn't have eaten that last night. So these are all things that can be happening in the room. And then um, in terms of the therapist is, you know, how does the therapist even view the other person's body? The client says, I feel fat. What does the therapist say to that? What's the response? Is it, oh, have you considered Weight Watchers or a diet? Is it, well, fat's not really a feeling. What's the feeling under that? So to, to really listen in to the little, the nuances around how they talk about their bodies, how, maybe how they um, sit on the couch. I work somatically, so I'm constantly surveying what a client is doing, if they're tapping their foot, if they, I call it the pillow fort, if they've built the pillow fort in front of their them, so it's like protecting their stomach area. So there's a lot of different things that therapists can look for when working with a client or who has a larger body or actually with, I, I go back to anybody because, um, you know, it's, I take an, I'm, I like to be inclusive. So looking at really anybody, but specifically with clients in larger bodies, um, how are they sitting? Do, are they sitting up straight? Are they kind of trying to leaning over, trying to minimize? So those are some things that I would, I would say for a therapist to, you know, notice and to also ask the client, you know, what's it like to be in your body today? Our guest today is Laura Westmoreland. She's in the Los Angeles area. She's a wonderful resource for a lot of eating disorder materials. She's very, very smart in this arena. Where can people find out more information about you? Well, they can go to my website, which is laurawestmoreland.com. I'm also listed on ASDA, the intuitive eating site, as well as Body Trust. And we'll include all sorts of links and stuff that we talked about today in our show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. Well, you're on our website. Check out the Therapy Reimagined 2019 conference here in the Los Angeles area at the Sheridan Universal City. This is a conference that is made possible by Simple Practice. And we are having like two and a half, two plus days. I'm going to call it two plus days. Two uh, plus days. Two plus days of modern therapist learning and shenanigans. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Vernoy and Laura Westmoreland. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 
Charge your full rate with confidence with Thryzer. Thryzer takes care of 100% of the insurance stress and helps your clients skip the long reimbursement wait, giving you a powerful tool to attract and retain out-of-network clients with ease. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Feeling stuck with SEO for your therapy practice? There's hope. Head to simplifiedseoconsulting.com forward slash modern therapist and unlock your website's SEO potential with Simplified SEO Consulting. Use code modern therapist for a discount and mention the Modern Therapist Survival Guide podcast for a special offer on done for you SEO this summer. Let's build your dream practice together.